I'm not into podcasts. I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. What a hit! Back of the net. Hello and welcome to the Not A Pundit podcast. I am Killian Gennetti and I'm delighted to be joined as ever by Connor Glennon and Nathan Byrne. Gentlemen, how are we? Oh, good man, can't complain. Uh, I mean, you know, Nathan's crew are trying to steal our man Dan, but uh, apart from that, all good man, how are you? I'm I'm great. Um, something until I die. Season three came, so I like I literally have nothing to complain about. Nate, what is the story on your end of the world? Oh, I'm feeling good, feeling uh, refreshed, refreshed. I think that's the word. So hmm. yeah, feeling good. Have you watched something until I die? Season three. Not yet. I I I I know it's a positive season for for Sunderland at this time round. So it's 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 hard to watch. You know, positive things happen on 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 that side of the border. Have you seen seasons one and two? I watched one. I've seen fully two. I watched on and off. Um, but I I I need to probably get back into it properly because it's only a couple of how many episodes is it again for this season three? three? Oh, well, okay. Yeah, it's because it's it's not a full season. It's not. It's not going from. Day one, to, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, it, it's literally just, um, kind of a recap of what's happened, um, touching base with a lot of people, um, that they'd covered, and then they run in, uh, to to the final, and like, uh, it touches on some of the players that aren't there anymore, like Lyndon Gucci, came through there from like a, he was there sixteen years. And like he's no longer at the club now, so it's kind of nice for the fans to kind yeah. of get to see him again and kind of get a little bit, a little bit better understanding of the owner. Like, um, he, his father used to own Marseille, but for like a summer, uh, Cyril Louis Dreyfus, the son of an owner, he's only twenty six, maybe twenty seven. I think he's only just mm. twenty six, and he actually lived as a youth player. Um, at Marseille while Didier Deschamps was the manager but That's he was doing cool. all the same duties as the youth players were doing so like he was cleaning boots he was like doing all that kind of stuff around the place Um, so he's like a really it's really good to kind of see hands-on love yeah. Um, and even so there was always question marks of how did he get involved with Sunderland Um, because like the Fullwell 73 the production company behind mm. it re- revealed that part of the reason why Ellis Short, the American owner, initially even let them in was because they had said, this will help you sell the club. And uh, boy, did it. Um, But it turns out Juan Satori, who was brought in by Stuart Donald, for those who have seen season two, um, a Uruguayan guy, he is the son-in-law of Monaco's Russian oligarch owner. So I think he's somewhat involved in the board there while the father-in-law is under embargo. Um, oh i see under sanctions um but he also ran for uruguayan president not long after buying a percentage of sunderland and he was kind of meant to be like the the real deal Mm. in comparison to donald and metvin and then suddenly the the whole ownership model went went awry and then he brought in some snot-nosed kid called cyril louis dreyfus it turns (laughs) out that they had met while they were on holidays just playing football and they just kept playing football with each other um, bear in mind like Satori's twice his age hmm. um, like Satori would be 40 something now um, and uh, yeah then they touched base and they like here what's the crack do you want to get involved and they did and he was initially brought in as a controlling shareholder um, 
uh, Louis Dreyfus, um, 41%, but it meant that Medvin, Satori, and Donald, if they wanted, could have had control, but they didn't. It's kind of like yeah. a Ratcliffe thing, which yeah, we'll yeah, touch yeah. on later. Um, but yeah, like it was just interesting just to see all that kind of from behind the scenes. Because mm. there was, for context, season three, it covers Sunderland getting promoted to the championship at last. But now that Sunderland are doing well in the championship, a lot of fans are not trusting the model. Um, so it was kind of good to kind of remind people that uh, this is where we were when these guys came in. <laughs> like we we uh, we had signed Ross Stewart, who was at that time a winger um, from Scotland, who was uh, like four or five years before deciding whether or not he was ever going to play football again. And we bad. turned him into a, I think Southampton paid nine or ten million pounds for him. Like from going from thinking of giving up to nine million quid is that's quite a jump. Yeah, and it was just down to the not quite money ball, but it was that kind of idea. Kind of go, no, we see the physical stats in you that we like, and we know we can coach better. I will yeah. say that that the Sunner until I until I die. From what I've seen, it's it's a very well produced show. Like I mean, obviously the Wrexham one is is a whole different piece, but it seems more and more clubs are doing it. Like Liverpool are doing one. Um, which is is ironically the thing that Klopp always said. If they did, he'd he'd leave the club, and it kind of coincides with that. But <laughs> we'll, we'll just we'll put I, that I, down I, the conspiracy. I think the difference with the Sunderland one for for anybody that hasn't seen it at this stage, and if you haven't seen it, what were you doing during the pandemic? Yeah, um, but, that and Tiger King. Yeah, yeah. But like, I think the difference with the Sunderland one in comparison to Tottenham, sorta, but definitely in complete another opposite to City or Juventus or the Arsenal ones, which was it was warts and all. Yeah, the, the Amazon ones are a bit more polished, yeah. Yeah, like the, the, there was no hiding. Like the the shows um our managing director at the time slamming a door when he couldn't convince Jack Rodwell to leave the club. It shows Chris Coleman confronting a fan who was calling him shit to his face. But that's the um, kind of stuff that that's what you want. You know what I mean? It's real football, and that's why I was disappointed with season three. It was just a little bit too. It glossed over a lot. It just went. It just got, went through the whole. whole but with three episodes, there's only so much you can do, you know. And they're only 40, 45 minutes piece. So I, have you have United ever done one, Nate? No, I've a I have a quick question though on them, and just in general, mm. do you think they have shelf lives because? Yeah, I watch season one, but you wouldn't get me to watch season two or three. That's uh, but that's the same with me. I I um, watched one and uh, halfway through two, I dipped. Is it more like after season one and like say the the novelty wears off a bit? Is it more than just for the fans, or like could we see one where maybe it goes the drive to survive or the Six Nations model where it's the Premier League type behind the scenes stuff? Is it like? That's where I'm like, where do you get like all the viewership sort of? But well, the, the way that, that they do it in the states for the NFL is the what the, what they call hard knocks. So every year they pick a team, and it's a different team every year. So like you know, it goes from the Panthers one year to the Chargers the next. I think that could be really cool. I've never really thought about that. Nathan. That was actually a really like, interesting model to do. Because then I I I'd, I'd, I'd watch it if it was even fucking Brighton like. And you it's know. interesting that you mentioned the NFL there because with the Super Bowl and whatever, I've been watching their content more and stuff. Mm. Some of their stuff is insane, like yeah. quality-wise. Mm. They, they, they released like a 40-minute mic'd-up version after the Super Bowl. You could literally listen to everything they were saying 
in like in the players. Like it was crazy, unimaginable in the Premier League. That that's like, what I mean. Genuinely. It's like, is are we sort of being sold a bit short when it comes to content? And I think there's levels to it, though. I I think you're right. Like I think the way the NFL do it is unbelievable, and where where they're much smarter than the Premier League is like. A lot of athletes in the NFL have their own podcasts, um, namely Travis Kelsey, who yeah, you know everyone knows as Taylor Swift's boyfriend now. Um, <laughs> but like when they when the when the NFL uh, put up a post with Travis Kelsey that's included the podcast, they do a partner tag so that like everyone's growing with it. So they're trying to grab the audience yeah. of his podcast, and it benefits everyone. Well, like you're telling me, like. Like the podcast, say Callum Wilson has Premier League aren't going to push that. Like no way. Now the difference with that though is, don't forget, the NFL um, was under threat very, very recently from other sports. Like yeah. they were on the on the cusp of losing followers uh, because, um, like, I think what what was it eight years ago? Um, South Park were making jokes about the NFL were investing in um, sea monkeys. To, tr- to try and uh, get the crowd crowds back up, <laughs> uh, put in sea monkeys instead of people. Um, so There's always that cyclical thing with American sports. So, like for a couple of years, football will be riding high, and then it like it'll dip off a little bit. But, but this, is, this is the thing, though, yeah. is because they've realised that American fo- football and American sports doesn't translate worldwide, but personalities do. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and yeah. I, that, I think that's where the Premier League can be complacent because it can be. It doesn't well, have it, to worry I, about. See, that. I think it's the Premier League worldwide. The pre- that's a very good point. I think the Premier League is a more uh, old it's school a lot more protectionist. Yeah, player. like it's protect yeah. the brand. Well, the well the NFL, like you said, through fear, I suppose, have opened the gates a little bit, seen it's worked, and then then they're I, off I the think- races. Even the NFL, like even watching recently and stuff, it's like I think there's a lot that football can learn from it in terms of mm. you know the way that they open up access, like this type of stuff they have, how they're transferring over into new markets now. Um, like I, I was watching one of the videos and it was like it was such a simple video. It was like setting up the NFL in Germany, how they went and transformed the stadium into, and like you, you got me watching it for half an hour because it's yeah. interesting. They're doing a game in Madrid as well um, in 25, I think. And then Ireland has been talked about for a long time with teams like Pittsburgh and, and you know, having Irish core they, audiences they did there. some game last year, didn't they? They, they always do college games um, over Which, here. I, I don't get the whole college thing. The college thing being as big as the NFL is wild to me. Like some it, of the, the so colleges cool, having... I think it's class. I think it's I, like... You can live your dream as a professional athlete effectively, and like yeah. like there's guys that like will never grace the NFL, and for four years were basically Premier League players. You know, like, kind of like the guy playing in front of like yeah. sixty thousand in college, like it's crazy. Like, there's uh, arguably there's more passion for the college game in America than there is for the actual. Yeah, I'd like, agree. It's, it's wild that like when you think of what our youth systems are like for our sports, it's it's like on a. Like a United under twenty ones game, like you should be looking to get a couple of hundred people there. Yeah. Now going back to your question, though, Nate, like I do think that in season two there is still something for other people. Um, but it's it's a lot more. Um, how should I say? Uh, uh, sadist porn. <laughs> like it's it's if if you just want to see a club being run badly and like a dumpster fire telly, yeah, I get that. But like, there was a part where 
Charlie Methuen was trying to convince them to make the stadium night into a nightclub. And it just there's a part they're just sitting in a room and he just goes, just imagine this thumping. And it's like, and then everyone is just there looking at him. And then the subtitles just come up. EDM music continues. I don't know if I'm a bit closed minded when it comes to that. But like when I like look back and go, okay, Sunderland Till I Die, season one. To me, it's. You, you piqued everyone's interest. It came out at the right time, probably with COVID mm. and stuff like that. Um, no, like undoubtedly, it probably gathered a lot of fans that that grew a connection with the club. I just don't know what's in it for the person to go. Let me watch season two that they already didn't see in season one. If they're not, if they don't have an emotional connection to the club. Well, see, this this is the kind of thing I think you. I don't think you need to have an emotional connection to the club, but I just think you need to have a basic knowledge of it because, like. Season one was them falling from um, the Premier League into the championship and falling out of the championship, but it was under one ownership. And at the end of that, it teased the new ownership coming in. So then season two was that new ownership. Um, And if you have a little bit of a knowledge about what was going on there, you'd realize that this was an insurance salesman trying to live out his fantasy of being playing with the big boys. I I, I think, I think, you know, storytelling wise, though, I think that's where Welcome to Wrexham that could have another 10 seasons, even if they don't even get promoted because they focus on the community and the storytelling of, you know, the pub landlord and all the, the, that. Yeah, the, the, the difference of like Wrexham is it's the story of the up. It's like yeah. follow their journey upwards and see if they can make it. Whereas yeah, Sunderland exactly. watch this crash and burn. Yeah. So like it you was never going to have a long life. Yeah. Un, un, unless it keeps getting worse and worse, but which, you know. It's one you can revisit. Like if your club yeah. is ever going through anything bad, you can kind of revisit and kind of go, oh, so this is what it's like behind the scenes when this stuff is going on. Like, like in season two, it was revealed that they were spending, I think, like a couple of hundred pounds per week on renting plants for the offices <laughs> of the stadium. Well, that's like, very important to keep staff morale up. You know? I mean, that's the, that, that's real RTE flip flop vibes. Like, yeah, but it's like, <laughs> you get these like interesting anecdotes. Like, you also get to see how powerful a player like McGeady was to morale, to the politics, because he was really willing to speak out. Because like, it also covers managers coming and going. Because you yeah. get to see Simon yeah. Grayson there, you get to kind of understand who he is, and then you see him sacked. Um, I think I think United are prime for something like this yeah. with a, with with Ineos coming in they have a chance to make a show of watch us rebuild and, and rebrand and you know get back yeah. to where they were that, and that I, could go very right or very wrong it, but it'd be great telly either way it'd be great telly yeah but I'd be extremely scared of what I taught in my club after watching that you know I mean? <laughs> it's like I, I'm on the outside right now do I want to know too much that's going on in the inside like but that type this- of thing but this is an interesting thing, Nate, because Sunderland had it, which is um, where does your level of control come in? Because Sunderland were very liberal with that, kind of going, yeah, listen, go and tell the story. Whereas you can see with Juventus or City, they were a lot more hands-on, a lot more kind of like, we're going to control the narrative. Oh, Glazers would be going on? But this is the thing. Was there not news a couple of weeks ago that um, Ineos were looking to get more commercial influence away from the Glazers? Yes, but or define that. Do you mean financially to get FFP or no? To to be able to take a little bit more control. As far as I understand, it was yeah. to kind of go. Well, this is a commercial deal that we think is better for the business because we're gonna 
if we're going to sign a player, we're going to do it in the way that we want, that they can have a little bit more influence on how the club is going to be perceived because that's the business, like it affects football because like you you can't have Glazers going and saying, oh, well, well, we've signed this and your players just have to deal with that now or don't sign, we don't want you to sign him because it's not good for business. Mm-hmm. No, like. Yeah. Well, interestingly, it was actually the opposite way around. It was oh. the Glazers that thought it would be a good idea for any of us to have more commercial control. Um, oh, something to do that's with interesting. Um, something to do with just like I, I can't remember the exact word, but it was like for Ineos to be able to work well, they feel that they need to have a certain control and commercially as well, which is so backwards from the Glazers. It, it makes me think that it's possibly like just PR, but like I haven't heard anything since on it. So, um, because that'd be interesting because that would completely put the ball into. Sir Jim's court and making this the decision of like whether yeah. this is going to happen or not, and um, well, it or whoever his f- head of football um operations would be. But there has been a lot of movement on that United front, Nathan. That's we we've done United uh, yeah. countless times. Give us the whirlwind tour of what's happened in the last week. Okay, do you have uh, a lot of time for me to list off every... <laughs> no, I'm, 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 you've got 60 seconds. Go. No, I'm, I'm getting the weeds on this and I'm interested because like, I think it's a lot. It's rare you see a, uh, a club as big as United with so many roles of in senior leadership available, you know? Well, that exactly. Uh, them, I think the big thing is most of these roles never existed. But <laughs> yeah. a big issue. Um, so like it's not like we're sacking people and getting new people in, uh, but yeah, I think since Omar came in as CEO, like this has been a acceleration on recruitment. Um, and remind us who Omar is again. The former head head of performance at City Group. Um, yes. So he, yeah, he, <laughs> <laughs> he came in and there's just been this acceleration. Clearly, Ineos. Well, I know Ineos, but like. Clearly, they've gone down at Ashworth, our man. Like, obviously, leave uh, him alone. <laughs> he is happy where he is. Leave him alone. Well, Connor, see, this is where you're wrong. He's actually not happy where he is because he gladly comes to Manchester United. He's made that very clear in the last week. I know. Jokes um, aside, I mean, the chance to be that role at Man United, I don't, I don't know any football man who turns that down. But uh, I think a big thing as well is he'll have more influence at Man United. Mm. He goes in that structure, Newcastle currently, and um, they, Sir Jim obviously, and I think Sir, is it Brailsford? Oh, Dave Brailsford, Dave, Dave yeah. Brailsford, he he holds him really hot in really high regard, so he's clearly the man that they want. The what's Sir is, What's Sir Dave's so structure wise? It goes Omar CEO, Omar da- Dan Ashford under him. Okay, and this is where it gets very interesting. We're about to have executives of executives. <laughs> Did, um, I actually read this article earlier from the Athletic. It was um with Dan Ashworth when he was at Brighton. He, his, is his this the one from like from like four or five years ago. Yeah, about yeah, his, that's his that's structure. a fantastic article. And he, I, I think I put it in the group chat. Is I mentioned the word bubble. He has his little bubble. That's mm. what he calls it. Where he's gonna have head of recruitment, head of academy. Um, head of performance, head of medical, head of psychology. So that just makes are, sense to me, though. Like that, and that sounds more like how they operate their cycling team because they yeah. have all those components. Um, what I believe now th- these are like strong rumors that are coming out is 
head of recruitment, we're looking to get the Brighton head of recruitment. Um, that would be massive. Currently, and Ashworth would be a draw for him. Yeah, that would that was a shock. Apparently, Chelsea wanted them, but Ashworth's like, no, we're having them. Jesus, um, we wouldn't f- like fuck going there at this time. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Do you know how many directors do they have? Like director <laughs> of football times five. Like, um, mm-hmm. so him or Julian Ward is the rumored head of recruitment that that the former Liverpool director. Yeah, that was under Michael Edwards as well. Um, for and then. I don't know if you saw we we were linked with the director of football of Southampton today. He's, oh, Wilcox, is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I should look up his name now. I think it's James. I want to say. Um, it is Jason Wilcox. Um, so we were linked with him today, and like this is the crazy thing: he's director of football at Southampton. The role he'd be having at United is head of academy. So like yeah. in football terms, that's a that's a downgrade. Well, it's like, like it's like Ralph Ragnick, not even jokes wise, but going from director of football to manager at United, like it's two completely different jobs. And, exactly, you know. But his pedigree actually perfectly suits that role. He was head of academy in City, um, mm. before he he went to Southampton. So that's another exciting. Well, it seems like you're accumulating the Avengers. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> it, it does. It feels like we're just gathering names, which is crazy. Um, and then also a new role that's meant to be coming into the bubble is an executive that's going to look out over Nice and United at the same time. Now this is Killian. You you were the first to 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 throw throw out that this sounds a bit suspect. Yeah, well, as the Premier League not just after voting about trying to restrict multi-club ownership buying um, yeah. of players, like transactions between after the dodgy dealings of City buying a player via another club Tro- Troyes yeah. to loan to Hirona to buy with City. Like, he's Troyes's highest transfer fee ever, and he never played for the club. Um, <laughs> and City are now threatening to um, take the Premier League to court over this because they're going, oh, well, this is infringing on it. But, oh, City want to get into a legal battle, yeah. do they? Yeah, a bit. I, I think there was like oh, two or three yeah. abstentions from the vote, but the rest of the Premier League went. All went I'm hearing forward. is Tadebo for five million. That's all I'm hearing. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but I think that's a very interesting role that they're clearly trying to. Like the only get, way I can get see the that working. Club structure going before it gets thrown out. The only way I can see that working, and I, and for all of their criticisms, I think Red Bull are the only one that get, gets it right. Because what they do tend to do is they buy between each other, but not ridiculously so. Because like you see players leave the bubble and come into the bubble, and that, that's that's fine. But what they did with Ranić and what and uh, Jared Houllier before that um, was they have people working between the clubs, but it's just to make sure that the ideology is the same that the tactics yeah. are the way they want it. It's like, if, if if it's that kind of a role where it's kind of going, right, uh, United have learned this. They're, they're te- they have this new sports scientist in and he reckons if you go on a carnivore diet, you're going to be Superman. And then they bring that over to Nice. I'm cool with that. That's synergy. That's an interesting way of doing things. If they want to kind of start saying, right, we want to play in a Gengen Preston style of football and this is going to be our identity and bring it across the two clubs. That's cool. If it ends up facilitating dodgy dealings, well then... Well, I think that's the thing. It doesn't have to facilitate dodgy dealings. And I think 
multi club ownership it? can work will it? <laughs> if it's properly regulated. Like I think multi ownership. I think multi ownership is fine. Like you're saying, Nate. Yeah. Like, it, like we're being pessimistic here, and you like you know, I, I I think it's doable. But you're right, Killian. At the same point, like there's ample room for dodginess. But, it's it's not pessimism yeah. when it's happening now. Uh, yeah. But but like let's say United use Nice as a way to develop players. Like I've seen no issue with that. I don't either personally. I see no issue with United players going on loan to Nice and developing. I see, like I, I don't I don't mind that. That that's absolutely fine. But if if they're gonna try and use it to like to do what City doing, circumventing work per- permits, circumventing financial, because if you can bounce things between different leagues See, I that I think there's three layers of like possibilities here. I think, like Nathan's saying, if it's more of a breeding ground for youth players, if great. it's like a football manager setup, yeah, cool, that's fine. <laughs> then there's what's going on with the city group, and then there's the possibility of like, say, up at the tune, if we got Benzema on loan through Saudi Arabia, like that's just. You know. Or Watford and Udinese, or um, not Nottingham Forest and Olympiacos. Oh, I wanted to get him over to Forest. Oh, the transfer deadline is gone. I'll just sack him from Olympiacos and hire him again at Nottingham Forest. I, I do think. Well, I think I, you'd know better, Nate. But like, I, I do think from what Sir Jim does, uh, I think he's more of a serious operator. That I don't think he's into the. The con in the system. I think he's genuinely trying to create a better system. Well, there's rumors now that Sir James looking at a South American club. Um, so Did, like, have, have they said who? No. Um, or apparently, where? Brazil and Argentina top division. They're looking at two clubs, one in each. They're not going to buy two clubs, but either one. Maybe one or the other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but that's interesting that. Is is this just a more complex sort of academy system where they get you products in, they give them a few years to develop at these clubs, and they go like, let's go like move them on. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like I personally have no issue with that. Any club doing yeah, that. that. I think that, Chelsea that's are that's trying to do it. Like I think Chelsea are trying to. Did they buy Strasbourg in France as well? Did they? I think I think they bought Strasbourg. Well, yeah, one, yeah, I think so. Um, or so, they were definitely in talks too, anyway. Yeah, I think I think that went through. So, like a lot of clubs are doing this now. Um, let's talk about like Newcastle have their fourteen clubs in Saudi Arabia that they have. Uh, and yeah, but like, and talks of others. They weren't they looking at somebody in Italy? Oh, yeah. like, like I, I, I think it. I think it's. I think multi club ownership. I think City have soured the waters of what it yeah. is. But I think if you take the City Group out of it. It's doable, and as as long as it's somewhat regulated. My know, only worry it. would be the guy leading it is the guy that was leading the city group. So well, yeah. <laughs> <Do you know laughs> <what> I, <mean? laughs> I completely forgot about that. I actually just came to my head there. I was like, yeah. okay, the guy that could be leading this was actually leading cities. So what is our intentions? <laughs> and see, my issue with city is it's it's only how they're doing it as of the last year. They're after yeah, yeah, things after changing and how they're doing it because, yeah. like, they bought a load of teams and they were doing the cool thing. Like, they had Hirona for years and they're sending Patrick Roberts out on loan there. Mm. And they have um, Yokohama Mariners, they have um, Melbourne City, they have New York City FC, Got and they were doing the cool that. thing. Um, oh, who, who's their Brazilian team? 
And oh, then, I, can't I can't remember. But then you have the likes of Red Bull, who have um, one in Ghana, one in um, Brazil. Brazil, one in um, New Germany. York. They have Germany. They have Austria. Um, they have a lower division Austrian one as well. Um, so that like, sounds a bit suspect. You know? <laughs> no, no. I, I think I think it's more of a set. I think it's more of a second team situation. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, yeah, like it's it's called leafering or something. Yeah, yeah, it's just like the B team, um, which they do that in their system, which is fine. But it's like when you see what you the Udinese owners did with Watford, where you're just kind of like trading between yourselves and what City are now doing, and with the um legal goings on around City, every deal now has to be brought into question Question, and they're making it more and more questionable with every deal (laughs) like it's 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 something that kind of needs to be regulated and i i don't think that or i hope that united don't fall into that trap but it's something that they need to be very 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 careful with and you would hope the premier league will act before they can get caught out in that um just, my fear is with the Premier League, the, the regulation, any time the Premier League try to regulate something or, like, say, the owner's test is just redundant, like, it, it never works. Still have dodgy owners coming in, have had since the thing was in play. It seems like every regulatory thing they do is half-baked. Like, I think if we're going to, if you're going to allow this kind of thing to go on, it's either a free-for-all or a really stringent plan and because... I think the way that it, it, it there's so much ambiguity in in the regulations in the Premier League for me anyway. The thing is, this is a FIFA regulation thing because it spans over so many leagues. Yeah, like, mm. do you know what I mean? Like the Premier League can't go investigating what's happening with yeah. the league of dealings and stuff like that. Um, I just found the rest of the city teams that they own. Uh, they have um Bahia, Bahia. Where's uh, that? Brazil. Um, they have an influence on a team, I think, in Bolivia. They have, a, um, they have Hirona. They have Lommel in um, Belgium. They have um, some dealings with um, a Uruguayan team. Oh, I'll, I'll be straight up, lads. I didn't even know they played football in Bolivia. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think half of these are just smokescreen clubs. Yeah. They have Mumbai. They have. But is this, just to, is this they just have to get Palermo. into the. Is this just to get into the country, though, in, in terms of kind of like spread the yeah, city message the, through the, these proxies? That, that's, what they, that's what they say. But when you, like, look, at, don't forget the Lampard deal. Like, they yeah, got around um, transfer windows and all by, okay, we want Lampard to be at New York because that's going to be good for our brand there. Mm. Ah, sure, we'll just have him play for City for the next six months. Yeah. Like, I, that that kind of dodgy, leaves yeah. question marks. Um, it's it's I, I I think it's when it's kind of coming down is where the issues are rather than the going up. Like if there were only if they were signing players from Mumbai, cool. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like that's a, that's a good kind of pathway. It's when you see it going the other way. Like I think was was that the Mumbai team that Nicholas Anelka came, was briefly at possibly. for a hot minute his what 70 second club of his career that dude's <laughs> yeah. played for, that dude's had more jerseys than i don't know what um but yeah like it, it's it's just it's just fair it gets a little bit murky like i would i don't even mind like having like a especially with brexit and all that i don't mind them having european clubs because mm. that's a 
that's trying to get work permits and stuff but it, that's a still a five-year deve- development thing um which united have had in the past with the likes of antwerp um so yeah, that's it's... say tadebo and taram that are at nice right mm-hmm. now two highly rated players should united be going for them yeah, like, I think I think it'll the question marks only come in if there's if it's malicious. odd. No, it, like if if they were going for fifteen million a piece, you're going. That's a bit dodge. But that's or if what they, I think if they end up. But if they end up, or it's say the two of them went for like thirty million and forty five million, like that's a total of seventy five or eighty million. That sounds about market rate, maybe a little bit less. That, that's okay. But then suddenly Dan Gore goes over to fucking. Um, to Nice for thirty five million, then you're kind of going, ooh, yeah. There's no way to regu- there's no way to regulate that though, because it's it's as a club owner, you you set the fee. Plus, there's the other thing as well is when the two of them are in Europe. Yeah. Well, that this this is where the way it's set up now is Sir James isn't a majority owner of Manchester United. On purpose, though, because you know, so, I, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure you sure want the, the whole kit caboodle, but I'm not sure the the two teams in Europe real comes into play now because because he's not majority owner. He's not majority owner. So realistically, no matter even so if the Glazers di- dodgy, even looking at it, like if the Glazers dipped out, and he he'd probably only ever want forty nine percent because he can keep two clubs. Well, wasn't that always the thing that the goal is to get the Glazers out? It's not necessarily for him to take a higher percentage. Yeah, but like that's the thing is like with like we are sort of skirting the line right now that we he only owns 25 percent or whatever mm-hmm. he has full control so yeah he, well, he's, that, yeah he's de facto owner you know what i mean but but what's funny is that's in the glazers interest like as in oh, give, give him a quarter let him do all the hard yards and we'll reap the benefits of it down the line when they eventually do finally leave but like what within the framework what's brailsford's role within that he's, structure he's like not in the structure, he's just overseeing a wizard. I, he's a board member, I believe. Okay. So he's a director. Yeah. But is he the guy that's meant to be the head of football operations for the Ineos group, where he's kind of yeah. keeping tabs no, on everything, making sure... That's the former Juventus CEO. Is What's... Okay. Cameron? There's too many names going on right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but actually, one thing that I saw today that you're liking in is... That this is very Sir Jim. Is... Um, Man United to call in Kenyan and marathon runners and all black rugby stars as Sir Jim and Ineos look for marginal gains to transform the team's fortunes. I love that. Yeah, I'm a big fan that's, of that as cool. well. Yeah, that, um, that's cool. Yeah, I like and that. A little bit, like a little bit more context here. Um, Ineos, didn't they kind of transform cycling with the Sky team? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, no, our, that was, there was a lot of therapeutic usage exemptions like we discussed <laughs> in the in the in the doping episode a, a while back but no but like sir, 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 dave brailsford is what he did to cycling if he can even do a quarter of that to football united like, this has already run. been happening at nice as well so like this is why it will be coming into united they said the kenyan running coaches have been introduced to give tips to players on pace explosions and being quicker off the mark and similarly uh, the All Blacks were brought in to assist with treatment and prevention um, to stop muscle problems. So, like, it makes so. But again, it makes yeah, it so makes much sense. sense. It, like, it, it's it it's it's painfully obvious. It's like, why aren't like all these like siloed roles that you're like 
why didn't they have him before? It's like Jesus when you say like it's yeah, it's so obvious, you know. And I think the, that's the great thing with Ineos is it's like fair enough. City have their football structure and stuff, but Ineos have a sport wide structure. Like, do you know what I mean? They're involved in so many sports that if they can even take five percent from every sport, yeah. like what what sort of gain that has for the club? But they, they come in with almost like a consultant like approach on streamlining process, you know. Have you seen the F1 training where they have the lads with the ropes and they're yeah. pulling the heads? Yeah, Imagine yeah, yeah. how strong ha- Harry Maguire's head is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> he will head through brick walls as it is. <laughs> on, on him, actually, I, I saw a clip the other day. I don't know if it was on United Socials or, or where, but it was uh, kind of Maguire signing autographs outside the stadium and fans chanting his name and he kind of just starts smiling and you can just like fair play to the dude like i've rinsed them we've all rinsed them the whole world's rinsed them and to battle through that and kind of claw back his uh, not even yeah. ability but his his resilience he's shown is just phenomenal that that put a smile on my face and i think when i saw that i was instantly like it's more likely ten high decision but whoever's decision that was in the club to take the captaincy away yeah as hard as that is to strip it off someone like it's it's done the world a good, like you know what I mean. Like he, he's not playing with the expectation of being the captain of Manchester United. I put it this way: if if he was, if they hadn't have done that, I don't think he'd still be at the club. Oh no, um, but yeah, like I think it just shows that like there's a clear balance between people that can handle being captain and can't, and it's totally yeah. fine to not be able to handle it. You know, but it's I mean? also there's being captain in the Premier League and there's being the captain of Man United. Like like that is you know, yeah. arguably that it's like. Top five, like hardest clubs to be a captain at in the world, they're definitely in there. And to be fair, it was through the hardest period of the club's history. Like, yeah, he really got shafted there. Just to kind of bring it back to a point from earlier, so it seems that Dan Ashworth is going to be the director of football. Um, yeah, is that actually going to happen? Because I've been seeing that Newcastle are quite confident in the strength of their contract, and there could be a gardening leave of up to a year. Well, Fabrizio's, um, Fabrizio Romano has said that Ashworth has said yes, that we, yeah, he has to work it out with the club on the exit strategy. Um, that, could that be six months, 12 months, two months, a week? I mean... Or do United just have to pay out the nose? Just That's what I think it'll be. My yeah. understanding is he... I was told this. He, was, he told Newcastle on Monday that he wanted to leave. Flat out told them. Um... The clubs actually haven't communicated yet, but oh, that's okay. going to be soon. Um, but I, you know, I, the, the part where United is like, oh, we're not going to pay any fee, we're not going to play. That's just all mind games. Clubs are playing mind games with each other. They're I mean, it's a, it's a we don't negotiate with terrorists kind of line. Like you're going to do it. Like <laughs> yeah, like Very they're going to. I knew. I knew you. Were, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, why did I say that? <laughs> but, but the I, the thing about Newcastle is they don't need the money, so they could yeah. say we want thirty mil and we let we'll give you them tomorrow. Yeah, and, or they could go. The oh well, we'll is, pay the thirty mil. Well, give us the fifty mil now. The thing is, do you want a fa- do you want a fellow there running your club that doesn't want to be there? That's that's another thing. You know what I mean? Um. I think what will happen is United good will fella, pay. Though. I think United will pay probably. I heard six, but I think it'd be more like ten million probably for him. And uh, I think the Garden and Leave will be the summer. That's when all the new guys will come in the summer. Just yeah, like, it's it's just so frustrating from a Newcastle perspective because like 
obviously, look, he's a phenomenal football brain, and I just we if we could have just had him for like another year or two, I I, I think he really could have helped put us onto that next level because like we're at a weird position up in Newcastle that got Champions League this year probably was too soon for us. You know, we're a, we're a small, like, I mean, look, Newcastle in terms of, as a club or a big club in terms of history or whatever, but we're now in that weird kind of, are we a 10th place club? Are we a fourth club? What are yeah, we? And we really need someone like him to just help us figure that shit out, you know? A steady figure to kind of go, well, this is how we're going to progress over the next couple yeah, of years. And like, we're going to have a year out so that in two years time, we're back and yeah. we're back in for two years in a row it's yeah it, it, it it's a very big important role for a club in your position like look look at what he did with brighton and those that came after him with brighton there yeah. was a clear vision of kind of going right we're going to get up we're going to do we're going to establish ourselves and oh why wow, we performed a little bit better but we're still going to establish ourselves we don't stray from the plan and they've maintained that and they will continue to maintain that to great success mm. um and the market isn't exactly flush with people like that. That's what I mean. Like, he, like he's he's a one of one. Like you know, I I'm interested to hear from you guys. What what do you think of how United's acting right now? Like the the things that you know and have heard. What's your opinion of the situation? Because I I I'm obviously biased in what I think, and I think like it's totally different. But like I I'm interested to hear what you guys think. This is for me. It's the, the first time since David Gill left that they've made a positive leadership decision. And I think they're at least optically, whether they get all the people they want, it shows a level of consideration for the future that I don't think, you know, I'd have shown in a very long time. And at least PR wise, I think it gives them a, a strength and solidifies Sir Jim as a serious operator within the landscape of, of English football. Yeah, I, I think I think it's proper football manager stuff. Um like it's going ratings by five star make offers. See, I don't think it's that though, because there's plenty of five star yeah. dudes out there. That, That's but what like, I'm like you know Ah uh, there's there's not though. Because most of them are signed up. And yeah. well I think well, I think they've been and I do I don't mean that in a disparaging way. I mean, it's kind of going, they've gone and looked for the best. And they yeah. said, right, we like you. I want you. But I think, I think the, the interesting fact is they were all signed up. You know what I mean? Like, they could have gone and got, um, um, like, uh, tried to convince Michael Edwards or, or got a, whatever your man is called. But they've gone, we want Dan Ashworth. We don't care he's at Newcastle. We're willing yeah. to play that. Like he's but, I, I, but I think that goes that goes back to what it used to be like with Man United, where you know, no, like if Man United wants something, it happened, and that hasn't been like that for a while. But this is the first time in a while it seems like that's happening. And like on the five star kind of thing, like the way I kind of view this is like, say, all the guys that they're looking at. Say, if you want to put it in a military kind of example, there's you know, say well, for number sake, we'll say three hundred thousand soldiers in America. Then there's the SEAL team, which is the 1%, and then there's SEAL team 6, which is the 1% of the 1%. And, like, Dan Ashworth is that SEAL team 6 guy in a pool of other high-performing SEALs, you know? And, like, go ahead. I think the difference between this and maybe what could be implied when I say the five-star thing is that they've gone out and got the 
the five star rated guys, but they've done it in a way that says, I want you rather than just looking at a name or a five star. It was like Monchi a few years ago when he went to Roma. Did amazing stuff at Sevilla. Sevilla. Um, constant European Cup winners. Five star guy went to the wrong club. Wrong mix. Didn't work out. Roma were probably worse off after he left and not for lack of lack of nous and all that. Um, but like this seems to be a lot more or like a lot more organic in the sense of kind of going right Ashworth we want you and we need it we want the five star uh, recruitment guy oh well then you you two are at Brighton you know each other we'll put you two together and we're gonna it's a it's a lot lot better planned out and it's like in fairness in football really really good planning like that isn't too common anymore that's what like, i mean like, it's the f- when like you, it- especially when you see the blue card thing that's meant to be coming out like that is planning that is just not good in football um do you, do you have you any opinion on blue cards yet uh nate i think do you want to take this one first yeah i might shock you guys with this because I, oh no oh wow i i'm a big rugby fan yeah mm-hmm. um Obviously, the yellow card system and that, whatever, 10 minutes in, man. I think it could spice it up, spice, like make games more spicy. Like, But um, what, what's but why have a yellow card then is my thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like either have a blue card and a red card. Okay, I hate it, but makes more sense. Give them a card. The yellow yeah, card is a caution, card. isn't it? The yellow card is a caution. Yeah, so, so give them an actual caution. It's like so, a warning. A blue card would be the next step up. It's, it's like you're you're making you're you're committing fouls, but it's not a red card foul. Like you know what I mean? Like, but like the the fact that you could get like th- I'm just thinking right, Joey Barton. Okay, he'll get a yellow card twenty minutes in. He'll probably get a blue card like fifty minutes in. He'll come back at sixty minutes in, and then probably get a second yellow. It just becomes farcical. You know, well, I think a I, yellow and a blue card is meant to be a red. Is that what they're thinking? I think so. Okay. I think if you define what a blue card is, like vet, like, and when I say define, I mean like black and white on paper, like you know, say to be to be honest, I think a blatant dive is a blue card. I think that, that I could that I could get on board with because that would get diving out of the game. I think that's like if you if you can see a blatant dive, and I would even be VAR check it. I think that should be a yellow card because I think that's deceit and whatever. Um, I think violent conduct that do, that isn't like do you know when like something happens like they clash heads, but it's not a red type thing. Yeah, you when know, they square up or whatever. They square yeah. up, put head, put hands on each other. But I think that could be used as a same bin. See, in these, in these kind of things, you have a habit of doing this to me, Nathan. There's something I hate and you get me around to liking it. <laughs> like, I do think there's a way that this can work, like, because it, it does work in other sports. And I think it's like, it, it's it's gone back to the thing with football. It's a very pure sport. It's a very sport that people like to, I don't know. Gatekeep. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if that's the right word or not, but um, it's a sport that, like, there's not there's never really much change and it's like this could be the thing that that like you know gets a nil all like burnley and crystal palace to like a good a good watch you know what i mean mm. my my thing is with it though is like maybe it's just managers being old codgers but like it's very rare that you get every manager in the league to agree on something mm. 
you know what I mean? And the, and when you, you add up all the years that these lads have been managing, it has to say for speak for something. Like, I just think it's funny. It's, it's almost contradiction what I was saying earlier where, you know, the NFL and American sports are so much further advanced. And are and then like then I'm saying let's not change things in this capacity. But I just I don't see the need for it. I think it, it either like I said have I think we're fine as is. Football's worked pretty damn well for I don't know how long at this point. But the other thing that worries me is IFAB. The people who are coming up with this idea are the ones that came up with the latest handball rule, which is the worst and hardest to understand rule. Like, I don't even know what a handball is anymore. I don't know about you guys, but so like, I just don't trust those guys. If it's coming from them, you know, the thing that like, like, I feel like people have a real problem with change. And I think that's just a general thing with people is especially Irish people. (laughs) (laughs) But like, let's try it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, let's try it. And I think one thing that VAR is even in right now, it's like, there's too many decisions that they can't give because it's not conclusive enough to overturn it. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So why can't that fit into a blue card area? Like, there's there's so many things in a game where you go, oh, like where's the card for that? Like, oh, like they've overstepped the bound too much here. But like, it's also, but they see where I think this is coming from is they're trying to, like, think about it in rugby when a guy gets sin bin. How many times does the camera pan over to him? It fills time. It it kind of. They make more of a show and dance about the sin bin than the actual game, and that takes away from the game for me. Like I like the I, I like you know in, in America or in ice hockey it works because they usually box they each like box the face off each other. Um, so like I think it works in certain sports, I, and it's 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 not that I'm trying to you know never change football. I just don't know if it yeah. works. Do you know how it's how it works in rugby now? So, and it, this could be interesting in in terms of VAR as well. It's if you get a yellow card in rugby, which would be a blue card in football. Yeah, it goes. It you go to the same bin, but your your challenge or whatever goes to the bunker. The bunker is basically VAR. Okay. Where they have the chance to either upgrade it to a red card. Or keep it as a yellow, so they and they can, but they it. won't downgrade it now. So, so if if the referee decides that's a sim bin, yeah, yeah, on the pitch, the VAR then happens off the pitch without anybody seeing it. So, it's like there's no big stop and play to like review stuff. It just it's you like, get you, you're going yeah. to the bin regardless, and it can only be worse from you, ba- worse for you based on yeah, this VAR. It's the bunker. But this is where rugby is helped by being able to stop the clock. Yeah. Like it never feels like too bad, but like on the whole kind of new rule thing though, I think, I think in the last since the Premier League came in, maybe a little bit after that, I think people have become way, way, way too resistant to change. Like cards yeah. were only brought in in the seventies, which is wild. Up, up until what was it, Euro ninety two or something like that, or eighty eight? Um, you were able to do the back pass, and that's how Denmark won it because they just basically held on to the ball for the whole game <laughs> and like they didn't even qualify for that Euros um, fun fact yeah I was going to say I, I I wasn't sure <laughs> if I was right about that but I, I yeah yeah they, they didn't qualify and it was uh, the collapse of the Soviet Union that uh, ended up or the Czech or maybe Czechoslovakia one of that um that era and they got in uh, on, on a pass um, and they were able to do that and the, that rule changed and it was for the better and I'm sure there would have been opponents to that like I think what's actually going against 
the blue card right now is one the name it sounds a bit dumb i would i would just yeah. quicker just rebrand the yellow card Call us in there. That, yeah that was just about to say just, yeah, just keep it simple like yeah but like instead like i think it's good just to have to still have the two class you're either like i disagree i think you need to have a caution no, like, I think no, I think a caution is having a, having a word. Put your name in a little book. I don't think it needs yeah. to be. Oh, you're going in the anymore. GA route. A little bit, just kind of going like yeah, because like, one of the things I never liked about a caution is you can like there could be a tackle where it should be a yellow card because on the face of it, mm. but it's very early in the game. A lot of lad was a little bit head up. He doesn't need to be on the verge of like one more accidental tackle or a flying elbow or something like that and he's gone off the pitch it was just a little bit like what um referees used to do was that kind of like listen or have a chat yeah yeah Yeah. i think that's all it needs to be and then just like make the yellow card a sin bin which i i think the the idea is great and then the the cynic the cynic in me would abuse that to like say say if i know i'm just getting a blue card for a, a sin bin you can go in do a bad tackle that's not like red bad. You're not doing two. You're not doing studs up to the knee, but you're doing them. Do getting someone off the pitch, and you're only ten minutes in the bin. You'll be back, and then you know. You, you mentioned, time, but you, you mentioned Joey Barton earlier. Yeah, what that famous City uh, Premier League winning game against? Oh, where he needs someone, and yeah. where, he, where he said, "Well, if I'm going to go off, I'm going to take, take someone with me." me. Yeah. It's happening anyway, yeah. so like I, I think it's a, it's a kind of a a, a, a moot point. Like, uh, I don't think we're going to see it in the Premier League anytime soon. And one lad that we're not going to see in the Premier League probably anytime soon is poor, poor uh, Roy Hodgson, who seems to be getting the sack from Crystal Palace. Connor. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's not Sky Sports confirmed or or ma- wide media confirmed, but uh, our our pal Fabrizio is, is calling it that. Um, Hodgson has lost his his job and will be replaced by Oliver Glasner, um, with immediate effect. Um, Glasner's former Eintracht boss, um, and contract until twenty twenty six. Um, all done for ahead of the Chelsea game. So, you know, I lo- I I really like Roy Hodgson. I, I I mean, to be honest with you, when he came back, I think he stayed too long. I think he he seventy six to be managing at the top level is. That's unheard of, like, you know. Do you want the fun fact that I promised you earlier? Oh, yeah, what is it? Roy Hodgson started managing with Halmstead in Sweden the same year that Diego Maradona started playing as a professional. Whoa. That is wild. Jesus, that's crazy. Yeah. So like, so just to put in context the length of his career. What, so he's easy. So he's 76. So he's probably been coaching since he was, what, like 28? He, he, he was young. Yeah, he was pretty young. Jesus, that's like fifty years of coaching. Like, like I mean, it, it, I do think what I do, what I don't like. Nineteen seventy six. That's mental. What I don't, what I don't My like dad about was people. Born in seventy two. It was born in seventy two. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm quite angered by this. By Roy Hudson getting sacked, he shouldn't have came back in the first place. I think they've mm-hmm. done him severely dirty. He should have went in the summer. He shouldn't have stayed on. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think he should have come back for that period and then gone. Look, I did what I did. I'm, I'm, I'm dipping out. Like, yeah, but the, the, like the ownership didn't make that decision. Like, I think they done him severely dirty. They begged for him to come back to help them out. Came back, helped them out, and then they have the audacity to sack him. Like, just go to him and just go. Like, come on, we'll part ways. Don't, don't go the sacking route. You know what I mean? 
like yeah it's not great I, it's I not think, a great I look. think that's severely dirty like don't like you you don't sack the man that's come back and done you see the, the, see the only the only thing there and i think possibly the only reason for that i agree with you it's, it's bad form but like if if they mutually part ways they don't have to pay his contract out yeah well if like, they, they but what if they sack where if they sack him he gets his money they should have a bit of decency though to go like we're just gonna call it a mutual agreement to part. And we'll pay you anyway. Here's your money. Yeah. Like he, at the end of the day, he came back from his retirement to help them out. It wasn't the other way around. And I, so, to, to, on the age point as well, to put in perspective where, where he's at, like you know, this this afternoon during training, he ended up having to be. He fell ill and and is in hospital. Apparently, according again to Fabrizio, he's he's stable. And T's and P's with, with Roy Hodgson, but like mm. you know, yeah. that what goes with a a role like that is not for a like. Sure, if you look at Klopp and he's exhausted, yeah, like what the hell at seventy six can you expect? Like, I mean, it's it. I, I'm I'm almost glad they've got rid of him because yeah. Christ, you know, he can't keep going at that. Like he just drop at some point. Oh, uh, let's do a very quick quiz. Can you name? All of the clubs that Roy Hodgson has managed. Not a chance. Not a chance. I've, okay, we've got Liverpool. We've got uh, Palace. We've got... Was he at Fulham? He was, yeah. He got to the European Cup final. Yeah, okay. So he's got that Swedish team you mentioned. Amstad. Uh, Inter Milan, he was only... He was like... Was he manager or was he... No, he was a manager and then he was a caretaker manager after. Yeah, okay. Um, oh, Okay. Give me a country. You have a f- couple more in England. You have a uh, couple more in England. Yeah. Oh God, I'm getting that, that's a bit. Sorry, I, did, I got more. Hair, yeah, I got more there than I thought I would. Who? Give us a hint. Uh, two of them are beginning with W. Watford. Wolves. Yes. Wolf. Watford. Okay. Uh, Wigan. No. Watford, Wigan. And the other two are beginning with B. B? Mm. What like what kind of level are we talking here? Uh currently they'd be between Championship League One. Oh, I don't stand a chance. No. Uh I'll give I'll give you two Origin. of them. Uh Bristol City. Oh, okay. And Blackburn. Oh, Blackburn, I should have known that. Now that one's annoyed me. Um the other English club was West Brom oh, before England. Yeah. Um, but we also have going in chronological order Odvald, Orobo, yeah, and Malmo. All in Great Sweden. pronunciation, I'll give you that. You. you love Sweden. Uh, uh, then there was Jamax in uh Switzerland, you know, the X team. Uh then there was the Swiss national team, then Inter, Blackburn, Inter again, Grasshoppers. Oh yeah, I knew yeah, that one. Yeah, um, Copenhagen, Copenhagen. Um, <laughs> Udinese, the UAE national team. That Wait, I what? didn't know. Yeah. When? They, when was that? Uh, yeah, two thousand two, two thousand three. How big was his tax bill that year? He only needed to go out there. Uh, then he went to Viking. It's a uh, Norwegian, and then he was the Finnish national team manager. Then Fulham, Liverpool, West Brom, England, Palace, Watford, Palace. His poor wife has been dragged to every oh, corner of the world. Man, like, 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 we thought Anelka was bad. Christ. I I would 
I would defend him more if he didn't try to play Roberto Carlos as a left winger. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Like, don't forget, he was managing Roberto Carlos at Inter Milan. There needs to be a full-on documentary on Roy Hodgson with that kind of, like, jokes aside, like that. With, the... with that kind of a record, you, like, you need to have a documentary. But somebody else who needs to have a documentary because of their ridiculous record is Harry Kane <laughs> ruining Kingsley Coleman's ridiculous record. The two of them have a ridiculous record, which is Kingsley Coleman has never had a season where he hasn't won a title. This is a disgrace, by the way. Like, <laughs> in, in all honesty, like, that should be a terminate contract type thing. Like, you're going to do Kingsley that dirty. Like, this fella was going to go his whole career with winning a trophy every season. And it's just, it's been, yeah. You know, the, you like, know what the most ironic thing, and I saw this on, on Twitter just before we hopped on, um, that, so he's probably going to get, you know, top goal scorer in the Bundesliga. And the trophy for that is a cannon and what's a cannon arsenal's crest oh, like yeah. it's the most shithousery thing in the world i adore it <laughs> i'm just saying that thank god manchester united did not get him because like the <laughs> thing would be in shambles we never win again yeah just put to put this into the ether so it exists so if it happens you can all blame me yeah Bayern don't win a trophy for the first time since 1452 which gets their manager the sack. Kane stays on. Jose Mourinho gets hired. Gets them to a European Cup final. And loses with Harry Kane then moving back to the Premier League. I mean, stranger things have happened. I do think regardless of whether he wins two Bundesligas, uh, like they're not that far behind. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely within reach. But I think regardless, he'll come back to the Premier League at some point. He wants that record. He but, wants Shearer's record bad. Yeah, but we like, agree he, though. Two or three years. <laughs> we agree though. Jose needs to be back in a top level job. Jose, yeah. like I said, to you, like the, when we were talking recently, like I, I take him up at Newcastle. Like he needs a job, and like and I, not even for the comedy value of of him. Like he is, like he's a winner. Like. I think a Newcastle is a really, really good level for him because I like what he did with Roma. I think he needs a cult of personality around him. He, need, he needs a culture that he can... He can. He needs to be bigger it. than the club. Yeah. I think he needs to be bigger than the club. I don't yeah. think he could ever go back to Madrid now or United because... It's, it's too big. It's going to exist without him. Whereas I think he likes to have this kind of like... Like he did with Roma where for that brief period, if you went to Italy and went to Rome... As far as they're concerned, the city could burn, but as long as Jose was okay, that was that's yeah, all that mattered. Yeah, yeah. I think if, and I think it, it was like Rafa at Newcastle. It was that kind of like he was bigger than the club, yeah. and, the, and that got the best out of him, and it got the best out of the club. And I think that's if he went to like that, that's why I think if he was to get the Portuguese national job, that'd be a really good fit. Although apparently he back in two thousand seven he turned down so England, yeah. turned down England, yeah, um, which I don't think would be the right move. For, I, I didn't think the England one would have been the right move for him because I think again it's a, it's one of them jobs that Poison it, Chalice it swall- yeah, yeah it swallows you up um, because just the Brits be at it like um, but like <laughs> that's why I was always Portugal too yeah but, but the but, only thing is he says a lot of things you know what I mean so like what's true in this but I, I I think he'd be bored stiff as Portuguese manager even though I'm sure he'll do it at some point in his career but I think I think he's got one big club left in him before he does that Barca oh but he'd, uh, he'd be he bigger won't. than the club because of how much of a shambles that club is <laughs> like, like that'd be interesting 
I think people forget that he was there before because I've yeah, seen it a lot on, online. Where oh, I forgot like, that. Yeah, yeah. Him in his tracksuit with his long black or his thick black hair. Yeah, wasn't he basically Bobby Robson's translator? Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, that's yeah. So, which going back to the Newcastle link. <laughs> just saying it would be kind of a match made in heaven if not international football which i think is ultimately going to be his future but just before we end up on international football nations league draw where are we going to finish bottom or second bottom oh uh i'll put it this way i'll happily finish bottom if we can win against england at home nate um Bottom, but if Steve Bruce is there, because <laughs> <laughs> apparently the whole thing is that Lee Carsley, it's dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Well, Shay Given saying, Shay Given saying it's not. He's saying he can't see it, but Loads like the people are saying that it's not Carsley. Like three people have come out in the last day and said that. I, 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 I think the only thing about them is a lot of them are former footballers and like look at Given, his wife doesn't even know what a vaccine is, let alone him being able to call whatever. It's uh, a guy that he never really played with is going to take a managerial job. It'd be like me trying to say the fucking cleaning lady from my job four years ago. I know exactly what move she's going to make. Mm, well, Brian, really. Brian Kerr said today that he's pretty much like her does. He's, he's I think the sticking point is the moving to Ireland thing. I think Kersley has absolutely no interest in that. I, I think it'd be different for him. I Because I, he, he's so close, I think as long as he'd be willing to accept Ireland as a base. I think that's yeah. what they want, is they just kind of want it ran out of there. So it, what that really means is, who is your assistant going to be? Because if he can stay in Birmingham, where he likes, or that general area, and then has an assistant based in Dublin, well, that's the best of both worlds. Yeah. As long, I think that's their big thing, is they don't want just to have... An in and out management crew. Yeah, where it's just, there's nobody here. And if you look at it the, with Stephen Kenny... It, he was the reverse. He was the one that was in Ireland while well, his a lot of his assistants now were coming in and in and out. So, where, what do you think, Killian? Where do you think we finished? Bottom, second, bottom. Um, I think we're. I gotta think we're gonna finish. Uh, uh, second bottom on goal difference on one point. Okay. I, I think we. I think we can steal a point against the the, the finish, considering they have a load of our Irish players and hopefully they'll have the bad luck that we have. (laughs) (laughs) Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed and fingers crossed we'll be back again next week where if you aren't already subscribed, maybe you should because apparently we've been ranking in the sports news section over the last couple of weeks. Making moves, boys. You know, we're even in the American sports news charts in the top 150 Damn. might i add oh travis kelsey watch out we're coming for you son we're pretty good at this podcast thing you know what I, mean? <laughs> I wouldn't go that far but i will go as far as to say as it's been a very enjoyable evening gentlemen thank you very much for sticking with us to, to our listeners and we'll chat you again soon bye-bye i'm not into podcasts i swear Back of the net.